The events which led to the writing of this book are nothing less than surreal. To see them in retrospect leaves me even now with the sense that somewhere, and for reasons not fully understood, the proverbial unseen hand of providence began causing everything in my small universe to align itself so that a clearer and more informative picture could emerge of Theodore Robert Bundy and his many victims. But I will have more to say about that later. When I began this book with a trip to Utah in August of 2006 to conduct interviews and gather research material, I was both mentally and emotionally prepared to apply the kind of dedication required to write a book of this magnitude. I understood the road would be rather long, at least two years, and that I would most likely create something that would be considered a good addition to what was already out there about Bundy. What I didn't realize was just how unique and original the book would become, as I, time after time, uncovered many hidden aspects about Bundy and the murders which had previously been overlooked by other authors. For example, most writers have stated that Bundy moved from Washington State to Utah to attend law school sometime in early September 1974. Bundy's girlfriend of six years, Liz Kendall, believed he left on September 3rd, when in fact, according to his gasoline purchase receipts, he departed Seattle on September 2nd, which was Labor Day that year. Now, at first glance, this quest for his exact day of departure appears to be little more than trivia and totally insignificant. Insignificant, that is, until you learn that he later admitted killing an unknown hitchhiker while he traveled through Idaho on September 2nd that year. Not only did he admit this, but he called Kendall from a town about 22 miles west of Boise, and it was on the outskirts of Boise, less than 30 minutes after this phone call, where he picked up the doomed girl he would kill later that evening. For the first time, the events of that day and evening are presented as they happened, according to the official record, with all of the gaps and blank spaces in this case now filled in. Indeed, in some cases, not only were gaps and blank spaces filled but an entire record of Bundy's activities came to light, enabling me to accurately piece together his actions and movements in particular geographical areas, and providing answers as to why some women escaped his clutches while others didn't. And again, in these instances, the information has never before been published in such a clear pattern and can be substantiated from the official record. My book also uniquely traces Bundy's downward psychological spiral, and how his descent into madness gradually changed him from the suave and meticulous planner of murder who was able to keep his homicidal activities a closely guarded secret, to the careless predator whose outward demeanor began to manifest the madness within, thus making it difficult for him to capture his prey. And to think, all of this came about because of a telephone call. In March of 2005, I received a call from my friend Jim Massey, who invited me to have dinner with him and retired Detective Jerry Thompson, formerly of the Salt Lake County Sheriff's Office. I quickly accepted his offer, for I was already aware of Thompson's role in the Bundy case from the scant reading I had done about the murders and my conversations with Jim. Massey, a probation and parole officer with the state of Kentucky, had by this time been friends with Jerry for almost twenty years, so I knew the meeting would be quite interesting. What I didn't know, but would soon find out, was how surreal our time together would be. 
and how the direction of my life, at least in a literary sense, would be altered by this crossing of paths with the retired homicide investigator from Utah. When the Thompsons arrived in Louisville in the afternoon of May 29, 2005, Jim called to tell me where we'd be having dinner and when. No sooner had I said, great, than he interrupted me by saying, he brought the bag. What bag? I asked. The bag Bundy carried. I have it with me now in my truck. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I remember Jim telling me years ago how, as lead investigator for the Bundy case, Jerry had gained possession of the bag and its contents after Bundy was arrested in the Salt Lake suburb of Granger, Utah, in 1975. And then after Bundy was executed, Jerry was able to retain the items as teaching tools for law enforcement seminars. "'You've got Ted Bundy's bag?' I said, my voice rising with excitement. "'Yes, I'm holding it right now.'